All right, guys, what's the most attractive thing about dads? What's that? I know, dad jokes. Correct. All right, I've got a joke for you. Husband, I haven't spoken to my wife in 18 months. Friend, why not? Husband, I don't like to interrupt her. Do you ever wonder, why do I always seem to give so much more than I get? All I want is to be appreciated and loved. Is that asking too much? Why do all the jerks get the hot girls while I get stuck in the friend zone? When will it ever be my turn? If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Nice Guy Show. This is the podcast that asks the question, how do I break free from the nice guy syndrome so I never have to come in last again? Now here are your hosts, Faisal Coker and Chuck Chapman. Hey guys, welcome to The Nice Guy Show. This is podcast episode number 16, and today we're going to talk about no more Mr. Nice Dad. If you're a dad and you're a nice guy, then you're probably a nice dad. So today I'm here with my co-host, Faisal Coker, and we've got a special guest. Faisal, you want to introduce our guest? Yes, we have. We've got an awesome guy, awesome friend, and a coach and a psychologist as well. We've got Ari. Ari, welcome to the Nice Guy Show. I'm looking forward to having your ideas and concepts and you know, you as a dad himself what you've got to say about being a nice dad. So let's get this going. Yeah, I'm Ari Graf. I'm a nice guy coach. That's how I know Faisal and Chuck. And I'm a psychologist. And my story is I was I was married for about eight years. And I had a, a young son. He was about two years old when we got divorced. And that was like the roughest time for me. And that was how I dis discovered men's coaching. And that's how I, I started to figure out some of my stuff as a parent. Ari, you know, I can so relate to that. <clears throat> when I was going through <clears throat> my breakup, uh, my younger son was about two years old and my older son was uh, nearly six. So, uh, you know, as a dad, uh, I think it's one of the most troubling times, the most hardest times when our kids are really young and then we've got to grapple through, we've got to, you know, deal with a breakup as well. Chuck, um, yeah. what about you? I know, you know, you're a, oh, yeah. you're a recovering nice guy as well. And a yeah, dad, so. yeah. Yeah, no, and um, I think my experience is a little bit different than a lot of guys because I have a daughter who has special needs. Um, but I remember when my wife and I divorced, like that was such a difficult time. Totally related to what you're talking about, Ari, because I was reeling inside and yet I still had to take care of her. And I remember there's this one time it was Christmas, it's right around Christmas time. And I'm, I'm in this little apartment and she's with me for the weekend and she brought over her shoe box of her, her Christmas, uh, ornaments. And I was so depressed that I was having a really hard time engaging with her. So I didn't even have a Christmas tree or anything. And she said, dad, come here, take a look. And she had taken all of her ornaments and she had like placed them different places around my little apartment. And, um, I just broke inside, you know, because she was trying to make me happy. And I think, that was probably one of the most difficult times in, of my life as well. And I think you guys probably relate to that where you're reeling inside and yet you still have to show up and be a dad. 
you know, I really felt that one. Uh, that was, that's hard. That's tough. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure, <clears throat> you know, all of us have got some stories where, you know, you realize you're going through a breakup. Uh, you're, you're going through that turmoil and yet you discover more about yourself mm. and then you've got to be the support system for your kids and your kids are looking at you while you're going through this real low. And I remember this going through my you know, rock bottom myself and it was hard. It was really, really hard. I remember the day when the divorce, when, you know, she said to me, you know, she's leaving and I just collapsed to the ground and it was so painful and it wasn't painful just because our relationship was ending. It's the fact that the whole family unit, mm -hmm. you know, it, it was like, I, I, you know, kids used to work from home. I used to work from home. Well, kids didn't work from home, but I did. But uh, when I used to, I used to work from home and that was, that was a thing when I realized they're no longer going to be my life every day. And, and that was so difficult, so difficult. Uh, to experience and go through. Yeah, me, me too. That that was that was the thing I was trying to avoid the most was breaking up the family. Like that that was that was a harder possibility for me than actually getting divorced. It, it was being separated from my son half the time. I mean, I I, I assumed at that point it would be fifty fifty, right. but even that just felt like such mm -hmm. a loss. It is still a loss, uh, but you know you you can still have a rich relationship with with your son, you, even like that. Yeah. I think yeah, it's probably a lot. I mean, rationally. Yeah, I was going to say even rationally that you might know it might be fifty fifty, but it's still. Uh, I think the pain you can tell the heart that you know it's going to be fifty fifty, but the pain was too much. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but like uh, when I'm FaceTiming with my son, he still does this, but uh, he, he, a lot of the time he won't want to talk to me. So that started, you know, once, once we separated mm -hmm. and he does that to my ex also. Mm -hmm. So it is, it isn't just to me, but he'll say, I don't want to talk to you, you know? So I've got like maybe 30 seconds to see his face. Yeah you know, on a day that I don't have him and he doesn't even want to talk to me. And, and what do you do with that? And even though I, you know, I, I knew that that was part of how he's dealing with the split. Um, there's not an easy fix for that. You know, and I think there's a lot of nice guys out there, maybe listening to this podcast who are divorced or going through a divorce and have children and trying to be a dad. And they could probably really relate to our stories. Um, because I think there, there's a common thread here, that common thread of the loss. Not that It's not just loss of the relationship. It's the loss of the dream. It's the loss of the idea of I'm going to have, I, I'm going to, my family uh, is, <clears throat> is going to stay together, you know, no matter what. And I think that was one of the hardest things for me was uh, also was the idea of like, my, it wasn't so much the divorce of the marriage. It was the idea of like, I'm going to lose, I'm losing my family, this thing that I've been trying to hold together. So maybe what we could do is we can talk about some of the things that we've learned as um, dads going through divorce, 
Um, what it's like to parent children when you're going through that, when you are like struggling to just stay above water, um, what do you do? How do you maintain that dadness? You know, how do you maintain being a father and being, um, you know, in the moment with your kids when your life is falling apart? I, I like that term, the dadness. That that would be a good podcast. <laughs> yeah. The dad. But it, it is it's sort of like the how do you maintain the essence of dad? Yeah. Um yeah. and and that dad spirit mm-hmm. at a time when you feel defeated or de- demoralized, uh mm-hmm. br- broken, I think was a word that came up when I was listening to you talk. It's just like, yeah, you, mm-hmm. the family has broken up. Like that mm-hmm. that was something that I I've just thought about a lot over the years, like just that brokenness and yeah, it's, it's yeah. taken time to feel like whole again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was yeah. like, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't, I didn't, when I got married, had kids, mm. you know, I didn't sign up for this whole break, break up this pain. And it wasn't just the pain that I was experiencing. It, it was painful to see the kids going through this as well. <clears throat> I remember, I remember after the breakup, the kids went away and, and they lived on the other side of the UK. So it was a whole thing was just a big ordeal. It wasn't like I could just uh, jump mm-hmm. in the car and I can be there in 23. It was like a four hour drive. And then um, I remember when the kids came over one weekend and, you know, I was walking with the kids and they were quite young and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we're living there and we see nanny and granddad. It's all fun. Mm-hmm. But at one point, it, when it wore off, I remember I was walking with them and my son said something that I was not expecting. And he just looked at me and he was, you know, he's about six years old. He looked at me and he says, Dad, you know, don't you want us around? And inside I was breaking inside. And I just looked at him and I just kind of gulped and I, I didn't know how to answer. And then he just asked again, he goes, you know, do you not love us? Do you not want us? I mean, how do you tell that to a six-year-old, you know, to understand that? And I'm, you know, there in pain trying to get myself together. And then I've got two young boys, and I know now they're, they're, they're suffering, they're in pain, and they're saying, you know, why is that away? <laughs> and that was a real tough moment, just knowing that he was saying, do you not want us? Do you not love us? Mm. How do you deal with that? Yeah, yeah. Was your ex uh, um, giving them positive messages about you, or or no? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, luckily, the you know, we were fortunate that we did give positive reinforcements and messages. And one of the things I said to my son was, you know, uh, I sat him down and I said to both the boys, and I said, look, you know how you were when you were in nursery. And when you were young, you used to watch all these programs and you were, you had, diff, you know, you had friends. And I said, you know, when you move from nursery to a different nursery, the bigger nursery, you know, how you change your friends and you don't watch the same programs. And I said, look, this is what happens in life as well. Sometimes mums and dads, you know, we, things will change. So what we knew in the past, we don't always knew, you know, we have so the things that you would watch when you were two years old, you don't watch them when you're six years old because your taste changed. 
And that was the only way that I could explain what was going on. And he goes, oh, I didn't see that. I said, the, the friends you had when you were two, you don't want to, sometimes you don't want to play with them anymore because you want to play different things with different friends. I think he kind of like slowly was getting, getting the understanding of, you know, the change. And I think that was a real thing that I had to keep drumming in. You know, change happens. Change is part of life. But again, you know, at six years old, five or six, it's pretty tough to take that in. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the things that probably a lot of nice guys, myself included, there's a lot of shame around being divorced, um, you know, that came along with this idea of divorce. Um, it, I was raised in a religious home. My parents, you know, were like, divorce is a sin. We will never divorce. Um, <clears throat> I think they were trying to give us a sense of stability, but it kind of increased this sort of amount of shame that I felt when I did get divorced. I have two brothers. They've both been married to the same woman for the last, you know, 20 plus years. And, and so I was the only one in my family getting divorced and there was a lot of shame that kind of went along with just the idea of I'm failing, you know, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, whatever. And I know that's also something that <clears throat> some of my clients deal with as well. I'm wondering if you guys felt that at all. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The, the stigma was enormous for me, but I, I didn't even realize it until I was about to get divorced, how much stigma I had attached to divorce. Uh, and like, I, I realized I didn't want to be like one of those people. Like, like that was the thought process in my head. I, I, I'm not one of those people. Hmm. Like we aren't one of those people. Like I'm, I'm, I'm married to another therapist. Like we are supposed to figure this stuff out. We, if, if we can't talk it through, then we're, we're shitty. Um, so, yeah, getting getting through that stigma w was a big hurdle. And now I see divorce as like, oh, this interesting thing about me. Like, I've got experience that I can bring to another relationship and help other people with. It mm. took me a while to get there. It, it, you know, when you talk about shame and, you know, embarrassment, that's something that really came up for me. I remember, you know, going to going to my, where my kids lived, and then standing, waiting to pick them up. I'm standing there. I'm thinking, I hope nobody looks at me. I hope. Oh, I don't, I don't want anyone pointing the finger. Oh, this guy failed. What a failure. What a loser. He couldn't keep his family together. Now he's coming up. What embarrassing. He's coming up, picking up his kids. All I wanted to do was just like hide pick up the kids, quickly take them to the car and go somewhere safe. You know, no one recognizes me. And, and again, in my culture as well, divorce is, you know, shameful, embarrassing. How, you know, you can't even keep the family together. You know, how, how incompetent of you, how, uh, you know, not worthy of a man. So I, I really grappled with, really struggled with shame and embarrassment. What are some of the things you guys maybe have done to, become a better dad? I mean, what are some of the things maybe you've learned through this ordeal that could be helpful for other guys that are going through this at this moment? I think that's just a good topic uh, to go through because first of all, you know, recognizing that we are, it's, it's going to be, it's not going to be easy. There are going to be a lot of moments of pain 
uh, and there's going to be a lot of suffering in those moments when you've struggled with, you know, just the whole collapse and you felt like you're lonely, you're abandoned and you're home by yourself. And that was, that was horrible because the silence was like deafening because I, you know, I was used to like kids running around the noise and you're home by yourself. It, it was also a gift as well. It was a gift because I was very much a unconscious man, like a, a guy that was coasting life. I had no consciousness, no awareness. I didn't know anything much about psychology. I was a, I'm a tech nerd. That's, that's what was my background. You know, I fixed solutions logically. That's a, there's a problem, I'd, I'd fix it. So what this gave me was a gift, and I didn't realize it. I didn't see it at the moment, but there were so many things in that. I remember a friend of mine, he kind of introduced me to psychology, and then I started just reading books after books, and I started enter, you know, attending seminars and courses and training. I am going to take this moment to be a better man and a better father. And I had never, ever, ever said anything like that. And that's what was my stepping stone, is taking this moment to be a better man, to be a better father, because I've really failed here. Ari, what was your experience like? What was, what was, uh, well, I was just identifying with what you were saying that this is part of how you go, how you transform yourself from nice guy to enlightened guy or integrated man is you've got to use this loss and this, this big change as, as a gift, as a teacher. So, you know, that is something that you teach to your sons. And that's something that I, I I'm using all of these things I've learned from the divorce to teach my son, um, you know, in, including just, yeah. How do you manage your emotions? How do you imagine, uh, manage a lot of emotional pain? And, and I think there's a recognition that, um, this is something for me to deal with and that I do need to protect my son from from that pain you can share little bits of it you know you can you can model sharing emotions with your son uh but you know it's it's up to you to do the the healing on your own you know i have to say that is a real difficult thing to do i don't know about you chuck uh but i don't know how you guys uh you know, manage this, but modeling the emotions, because I know I speak to a lot of guys as well at the beginning of that breakup as a nice guy, you're modeling some of the, I think the worst traits possible. You know, you're, I'm, I remember I'm like all over the place. I'm really emotional, snappy, annoyed, you know, impatient as well, frustrated. And then, I'm trying to work out so many things. I'm like, ah, there's too much on me. I just felt like there was a, there's a lot on me. There was a heaviness on me. Right. You you lost your essential dadness. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I lost, yeah, dad. Yeah, I lost that. That was it. It was it was really hard to. Uh, I remember when I, I there was like moments of like joy and you know like oh, okay this is great, but then when the reality hits and it's like actually there's a lot of work to sort out. You think it's and I 
I think one of the things that, uh, you know, as nice guys, we tend to do is make the woman the center of our universe. And I think a similar kind of thing is when we're a fan, we, we sort of make the, the family the center of our universe. And just like everything else, you know, it starts with you. You know, are you were talking about a gift? Uh, and, and I think that, you know, looking back and I have, you know, no way to prove this, but it's made me a better man father and husband having walked through that that i don't know that i would have been had i not walked through that um because it really forced me to take a look at myself and where i was putting my values and where i was putting my um my my time and energy you know dr glover talks about building a great cake of a life you know and that the woman is the icing so if the icing goes away you still got this great cake and i think that a lot of nice guys fail to do that because they're so busy trying to be a provider, you know, um, to, to be a dad, you know, that they fail to really um, make a great cake of their lives while they're married. And then when they get, you know, blindsided by a divorce or whatever, they've got no one there to support them. And um, I think that's a critical, critical thing that I learned was I need other men in my life for fun and having a good time and having banter and all that kind of stuff. And I always say, it's like, you know, 90% of the time we're just bullshitting around, but it's that 10% of the time, you know, it's that 10% when the shit hits the fan that you got to have your brothers around to be able to like help you, you know, and love you enough to bring and support you to, to, to hold you up. I think it's probably one of the yeah. most important lessons I learned going through my divorce. Yeah. Who's around you? That's such a good point. I mean, I, you know, you find yourself really lonely and thinking, actually, where mm. is my support number? And then it's a realization, what have I, what have I built? Because everything yeah. was built so much on the family. Like the family was a central point. The relationship was a central point. And suddenly everything's there. There's a massive void, emptiness, and thinking, actually, where am I? Who am I? What am I? All mm-hmm. these existential questions started to, yeah. you know, come up, that's, and it was that's exactly right. Yeah, I was. I was just going to say um, one of the ways that I managed my emotions during the divorce uh, after after my ex left, and so we we had a year of separation, um, and I was in a lot of pain and having to figure out the financial side of divorce. Um, while still supporting her, which felt like an injury in itself. Um, and then just trying to still manage my, my work life to be a parent. Um, it just felt overwhelming. And, uh, so I, I got on Tinder after a month and that, that was one of the ways that I stayed up emotionally. I mean, that's a roller coaster in itself. And that was something that I had to learn how to to manage over time. Um, I mean, that 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 is also a nice guy trap, I think, mm-hmm. is to just jump into dating or dating apps. Uh, did you right? guys use did you guys use anything else? I mean, like, uh did you resort to say alcohol or drugs or anything like that? Did any of you guys do that just to manage your emotions? Oh, yeah. I, w- 
I was drinking more, but I, I'm not a, a huge drinker. Yeah, I was drinking more. <clears throat> the way I dealt with it was a lot of denial. And so, you know, the first woman to show me any amount of attention, I latched onto her. And then within um, like a few months after the divorce, my paper, I mean, the, the ink wasn't even wet on the divorce paper. And, we, and I jumped into another marriage. And that only lasted a couple of months before that imploded because it was my, I married her as a reaction to the divorce, which was, I, I was, I felt so unstable. And it, it was like the drowning man. I was just like latching on to, you know, whatever would save me. And, um, you know, the result of that was, you know, twice the amount of pain, not just for me, but for her and for her kids and everybody else involved in that. And, um, you know, and then carrying the shame of that on top of everything else. And, and, and that was, uh, you know, in part because I was, you know, you know, was drinking a lot. Um, I was, uh, I had prescription pills that, you know, I would use to kind of try to make, you know, kill the anxiety. I had so much anxiety and strife inside of me that I felt like I was just going to explode. And the only time I felt a little bit normal was either when I was drinking or when I was with her, then I could kind of forget all of the other shit that was going on. Um, I just wanted out of the pain. And unfortunately, yeah. my solution brought me three times the amount of pain that, uh, you know, I would have uh, probably avoided a lot of that had high, um, you know, had built more support in my life before it all happened. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's, uh, that, that's some of the things that, you know, like as as myself was going through my my coping mechanisms, my I resorted to alcohol as well. I thought this is the only way that's going to numb this. So I would, mm -hmm. I remember I would, you know, drop my kids and they would take me. Uh, so you know, during the breakup, you know, she had the car, she got the car, and you know, my kids lived away, hours away. So it take me, you know, four hours to go and pick them up, and then another four hours back. And I was on this long, huge journey. I would be doing like twenty hours a weekend. And I, on the way back, I would always stop off at the newsagents. Uh, I'd get some alcohol. And then I'd just sit and, and wallow and be in this victim energy and mm -hmm. be like, oh, you know, everything's done wrong to me. And I just got into, you know, this, you know, everything else is at fault. And I would just drink myself and I'd get home and then I'd drink some more. And then this is how I started to soothe myself. And there was a period I went for a, a few you know, I remember several months and, and at some point I remember asking myself, what's the point of all of this? I don't know if you guys did this, but I started to ask myself, what, what, what is the point? What's, what's the point of me being here? And I started to ask the question, like, you know, there is so much pain and agony and, and all, that's all I could see at a certain point at rock bottom. And I said, well, if I'm in pain, my, I can see everybody else's pain. I'm, I'm, I was projecting my pain onto every, everything else. And I said, well, the most logical thing for me to do is not be here. Hmm. And, I, and I just went, I remember going through this period. And, I, you know, I luckily had my sister around who was an, is, is a freaking rock, amazing support. And I had a couple of other friends, but I was like, just like a typical nice guy. I didn't really want to resort, speak to a lot of guys or get a lot of help. You know, I was quite, I'm still <laughs> embarrassed about it. I was still licking my wounds on that one. But it was at some point. 
I remember actually, no, they need me more here. I'd be more useful here than I'd be absent. So that was one yeah, of the coping mechanisms. Yeah, I, I didn't know about that for you and that it got to the point of having suicidal thoughts or thoughts of not wanting to be here. I, I didn't. I mean, I had those when I was in my 20s, which was a different, difficult time. But but I, I think <laughs> having, having my son, I think I was telling you guys earlier that that was my North Star. And I, yeah. I always wanted to do right by him. And I, I would recommend that as a coping approach for men even you know it doesn't mean you're living for your child either but it, it does give your life a lot of meaning yeah yeah and it's so similar kind of thing you know felt uh the same same kind of things and similar to you already it's like my daughter was the, probably the only reason, well, my daughter and my cat, you know, I had to take care of my cat, you know, feed my cat. So, um, you know, those, those two things, just having them around were the things that kind of kept me going when I wanted to just cash it in. Um, mm-hmm. you know, guys, you know, the discussion has been really heavy and I love the fact that, you know, we, we shared some deep stuff and I'm sure this is going to resonate with some other you know, guys going through breakup, divorce, uh, when they've got kids uh, as family. It's not easy. I know that. Look, you know, we're here. We're happy to support. You know, you can reach out, any of us guys. If you go to niceguyshow.com, again, there are so many places you can go to get help. There's a lot of free help. All you have to do is don't be a nice guy about it and not take the help. Take the help. This is the most important advice I'll give you is there are so many men willing to help you. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, do part two of this. Part two is, you know, understanding that, uh, you know, you know, we want to be great dads. So how can we thrive being a great dad? Now, if you're going right through this, you might not feel like, oh, there is light in the tunnel. But I promise you, all of these guys, we've gone through it. There is light in the tunnel. So let's not be bitter about this let's be better about this and thrive as dads see you in the next podcast you've been listening to the nice guy show the podcast that helps nice guys move past their insecurities and fears into the fullness of their masculine strength and confidence be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and check out the website niceguyshow.com for more information on how to connect with chuck and faisal until next time keep living your best life